I hear a lot about, you know, you have your collectors and then if you change too much, how do they respond to that? And But I think as an artist, it's important to follow where you are, like where your interests are and that will change and evolve as you grow. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm the host, Aaron S. This week's episode is part two of my conversation with painter Emily Wallerstein. If you haven't heard part one yet, please listen to last week's episode as this part is a direct continuation of the conversation. Thank you very much. As a culmination of years of hard work, Emily has her first solo show at Tag Gallery in May 2023, in which she'll be presenting a new body of work called Lost Angles. What is your creative process? And do you have any particular routines that help you focus on your art? Well, I find inspiration from photos that I take when I'm out and about, um, just going around the city. And uh, oftentimes I like to capture the magic hour at dusk when the light is just a certain way and it's warm. It it makes everything a little more... um, you know, from rose-colored glasses, just a yeah. little more romantic. Um, so, and I, I've tried to scout areas or say, okay, I'm going to go take some inspiration photos today. And I've really found that that doesn't always work. Um, I, it really has to be something that just comes in the moment. Um, and I'm just, you know, taken aback by the sky at this time and I just happen to be in this place and um so the kind of randomness of it I actually appreciate a lot um so yeah that's basically there I start from photos and then I kind of collectively put them in series and decide what series I'm going to focus on and and then I become as I start painting one series, I become more inspired and then continue finding inspiration in those areas and subject matters. Um, ah. Yeah. So, but a lot of times the, it's very unplanned and unnatural or or more natural, you know, it's better that way. Um, so then once I take the photos and plan what I'm going to paint, then I usually do a quick underpainting and then I I paint it, and I often start with the skies. The skies are usually um, very large, and then the scene below is usually more minimal at the bottom. And I like to paint the skies really smooth, with the bottom um, being more abstract. The actual you know landscape being more abstract and maybe a little more textured, just to uh, juxtapose between the sky and the softness of the sky and the city down below. I think that's really interesting, actually, this idea of the use of texture to kind of signify the almost like the busyness of the city, because like the texture is also quite busy where the sky is quite smooth. And it's right. like, you know, having a look at the sky, it can be very um, captivating. Like, I like the idea because you look at your images and it, as you said, it's like a lot of sky. You want people to be drawn mm-hmm. into that and people to be drawn into the kind of like, as you said, romanticism and beauty. Um, I think that's a really interesting idea. But like, what kind of scale do you paint at? Usually I paint large. I Between, you know, 30 to 40 and up. Um, my largest painting now is about is 48 by 60. So that that is 
pretty big for where I've been, but I, I actually prefer working large. Um, it just, it allows for a little bit more movement and the kind of tediousness of when it gets smaller, sometimes I kind of struggle. I like the freedom of you know, the movement of your arm and hand and really getting more emotion into the painting. I think there's a little more freedom to have that uh, texture and brush strokes when you have a larger space. But I do have some small pieces so too that are like 11 by 14. And those I try to keep actually really textured. Sometimes I just do it with a palette knife. So I don't get so focused on the detail. Um, because, you know, the smaller it gets, the more detail it's, you know, you're working really tiny and it can be quite tedious. Do you keep a sketchbook? I don't, actually. Because I guess that, that means that the smaller images you paint would probably be like more like studies to like the larger images. Yeah. Because I, sure. I just thought like, that's interesting. If you don't keep a sketchbook, it's not like you have, you know, a book to hand to give you like compositional ideas or mm. like, you know, ideas for colours or whatever. It's just a case of like, when you sit down in front of the canvas or, you know, say like a piece of wood, whatever you paint on, like the ideas come to you then from the photo. Right. And, and and actually, how lifelike are your images compared to the original photos? Usually they're pretty lifelike, but then with my interpretation of the way I, you know, mix the color and apply the texture. Uh, but really, they're often true to what the wow. photo represents. Um, but I, I've been playing around with these blurred images, which is kind of interesting because the camera is blurring it for me. So it, it I, there's something different about it that it's a little less natural because it's like this abstract blur that isn't really, you know, the car lights of what I saw in the moment. It was what the camera took from you know, the movement. Um, so that that's kind of interesting how accurate that then becomes to the original image. Almost those abstract blurred images from blurred reference photos are more true to the image of the photo than sometimes what a traditional landscape might be where the detail yeah. is because there's more room for me to interpret it um, by yeah. the way that I apply the paint and everything. So that's um, a really interesting point because like, it's almost like the camera is noticeable in that image and those kind of images because it's like you have to kind of seek out what's in front of you whereas in like a landscape you see a landscape you know what it is instinctively whether right. it's textured or not with like a blurry image or images that are quite kind of a bit more hazier a bit more hazier that you kind of have to search for the meaning in those images or search out what you're looking for yeah um, uh, I have been more interested in just going back to the sketch I yeah. was trying to do one painting a day of just really oh. rough um small on unstretched canvas and I am still exploring the idea and they are like studies but I also want them to be finished pieces that people can buy and that are more accessible and affordable to the general mm -hmm. public um, but there's still this you know quality piece of fine art um, that feels a little bit more raw but I actually like that about that, um, those pieces. So I started it, but as I prepare for my next show, I felt like the pressure of taking time away yeah. from the the show painting. So I, it's something that I want to revisit after in the summer. So 
when it comes to sharing work, and this is definitely a bit premature because it's definitely on my uh, list for a little bit later, but do you create work for a show or do you like to show the work you've already created? Uh, a little bit of both, but generally I'm always work on a new body of work for an upcoming show. And then um, I bring in whatever is left over from the other show mm. and show that as well. I see. But I always do try to have something new. So because your images are quite large and they're in inches for people here in the UK, because obviously in the UK we don't use inches necessarily. Um, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, we'll be, yeah, we do centimeters. Yeah. We do centimeters. Um, but other people do inches and feet, which is funny. So, um, like with work, you know, with creating work such, such a large scale, like, like, how do you store it? Like, where do you store it? Uh, that's something um, I'm working through. Um, I work out of my home, so hmm. I we have a garage in the back that is not used for. It's just used for storage, not for cars. So I yeah. do keep them, you know, covered and secure. Some and once they're dry. Um, right now, I I have this you know little area behind me. It's a, used to be my painting nook, and then when I really started um, needing more space, I moved to the back room of our house, which is was like a spare room. So now I'm using that to put paintings on easels and store things for now. And then, um, I you know I'm getting to the point where I'm like. Where is this going to go next? But I, I am just doing it around my house. And I I do try to hang some work up, up in my house. But I also, so cool. the the oil painting, you know, does smell. So I, yeah. I don't want to have a whole room of drying paintings that are, we're supposed to be like watching TV. And, you know, so yeah. um, when they're, they're dry, I do always have some of the paintings up too. I like to keep enjoy them until they go to new homes yeah like because i think this is an interesting thing and now that i've asked you I've, I've kind of realized i haven't really asked people that often in terms of like what they do their work once it's complete because you know yeah. we always see them we always see it online and we always see you know people having shows but like what do they what happens to them in between because right. i don't think we really talk about it and i don't know how much you talk about it with other artists but like storing your work is so important and like doing it properly is so yeah. important to preserve it and I don't, I just, yeah. now i'm thinking about it, it's not something i've spoken to um with, the, with most artists i think um for a while at least so i think it's definitely what we're going to start adding on to these conversations and just to check because i feel like it's a good idea to kind of get ideas and tips and advice because you know not everybody knows how to store their work and also like right. where to store it and the best conditions in which to store it so right. hmm, maybe that's something i should add on to yeah I, w I do want to have like a better shelving system and you know i see other people's studios so i i do try to gain inspiration when i'm peeking into other people's studio mm -hmm. views of how what's best and i think as i grow as an artist i'll you know figure those things out better ways to do things so it's interesting because you said that you know when you paint images and when you go and take pictures of the images to paint you don't really do it with the thought of going out to take images which i'm really curious about so like what makes a good composition for you like what has to be in the image or like how do you know that like, an image you take is, is going to be a painting um I mean, balance is always important to me. Um, and I think it's just about what draws me to the photo when I think, oh, that that's it. And sometimes I'll have like five images that seem very, very similar. And I'll, you know, put them all consecutively and go back and forth, back and forth and just delete and like, okay, this one, now this one and, and just really edit. Right. And you know, so I, I t definitely take so many photos. My 
iPhone, it was kind of my sketchbook in a way. Yeah. Um, and, and then I put it into folders. I, so if I go out, I usually try to do it that same day. So I, if I get a good lot of like 25 photos from a cool sunset or place that I went, I'll go that night and really try to go through and identify which are the better photos that I might want to paint in the future. And then I'd put them in an inspiration folder on my phone. So then it, it's it's saved for later. It's not like in the millions of photos I have, it, it is easier to access. But it, and, and a lot of times it's funny because I'll hold on to photos or inspiration for a long time. And I, you know, I know I want to paint them someday, but then something else is more priority for whatever reason and it just gets kind of put saved for later but it's cool when it comes back around I, I just painted a photo for an artist call um, in January and the photo was from 2019 and it was you know I really searched back and was you know, I you know I remember that let me check and see what that series of photos look like that might be right for this call. And then I chose one and painted it. So it, it's um, an interesting process to just hold on to everything and then decide when is the right time. And I I just now have realized that, you know, when I do that, and sometimes it's just about the photo, but then I'll go back and be like, what was going on? Why was I there? Or like, what and and then I'll see what was going on in my life or why I was there. And I'm like, huh, like, okay, like that is, makes this photo even more special. Or even at the time, I didn't realize I wasn't putting all the things together. So it's interesting the way you can be drawn to an image or a time and not really remember why. And then kind of look back at all the photos around and kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together and realize like there's more meaning mm -hmm to the painting of the image than you thought. Yeah, I think that's really amazing though, because I think we lose so much by letting go of things. And I think sometimes your best work could be sitting in a folder somewhere on your phone. It's right. just a case of timing as well, though. That's also the thing. It's about timing. You know, like you have to yeah. be in a certain mind frame to look at a certain image. Because the thing is like like where you are and what you're doing and the person you are now will look at images very differently. Like an image from 10 years ago, you'll look at it very differently now. You know, so True. it's all about timing. It's all about kind of also like the the need, like because obviously right. you had you were an artist school to to create work for. You had you it presented a need for you to go look back, and I think the fact that you look back rather than creating something new, I think that's really really interesting actually, and it's kind yeah. of the sense of like, I guess like memories and nostalgia. Is that does that play a, a role in your work? Very very much so. Um, it's a huge role. I, I think most of my paintings whether they're realistic or not are all about memories and nostalgia um, and I try to tie in stories or you know just either broad ideas of what's going on in the world at that time or how the the image relates to my life and um, I the the blur series that I was working on that's more abstract where it's just the traffic lights and just the um circles I, I i wish i knew the actual correct term because i did discover there is a term for this um oh. blurred like lights i might be able to find it quickly but um is it the halations anyway, i th i think is it, is that yeah, it halations. is it yeah halations i'm sure it's like halations 
Okay. Yeah. I think I think it's so, correlations. I'm sure it's correlations. Like when you got like the ring of light around like like yes. uh-huh. yeah. But the technique I thought is called something too. Oh, it might be yeah, that might be something for that. Um, I've got no idea, but I know that. Yes, I don't know that. Yeah. I'm not cool enough to know that. <laughs> well, I wasn't either, and I've been painting that way for a couple of years now. And then I'm like, oh wow, there's a name for this. Um, but yeah, so uh, those are very symbolic of memories because I think about memories a lot where as you age and you look back and it's very few memories are really imprinted that are very clear I Mm. think that oftentimes they are just this kind of overarching haze of emotion of that time of your life and I think that's very strange and intriguing to me um you know just thinking of when I was five or ten and really there's some core memories but most it's just like oh, I was living here and that's kind of what I was, it's, it's really interesting to me. Um, So those blurred images are reflective of memories of time. So how are you looking to develop your work in the future? Well, I definitely have new series, like I said, that I've been storing for a while. So I have a good, like probably a year or two of work that I'm really wanting to I've been wanting to work on for a while so I'm looking forward to those um and I will just you know say that they're the Bangladesh series which I'm really excited about um painting and sharing the story and kind of my inspiration for why that series is important um I've been wanting to paint a series of large-scale landscape photos of the wind turbines um, there's oh. a like wind turbine fields in Palm Springs, and I just find them very fascinating because they're always on this vast part of land, and they're just yeah. these man-made things, but they're producing power, and it's just natural, and they're so giant, and there's just something really awe-inspiring about them. Um, so I have that that I'm working on, and then I want to work on this series that I've been also have a huge folder of probably a hundred images of reflections of and shadows of mostly from walks but sometimes they're of and and the trees creating the shadows on the ground um, with the light shining through but then there's some that are the light shining in um, on our home that creates these like kind of dreamy light reflections on the walls at dusk Uh, they definitely are more abstract and they're less of a landscape, but they, they do play um, a nod to memories and emotion and um, just the reflections of life and light and shadow and dark and light and kind of how that encompasses, you know, our lives. Um, yeah. So while the subject matter might be different from what I've done before, the kind of underlying theme still plays true throughout. Um, so those are some of the like three major groups of series that I want to work on. And then I'm not sure. I'm kind of curious how my yeah. my work will evolve. Um, and I do I, I it's curious I'm curious how to how others evolve in their work as well because mm. I hear a lot about, you know, you have your collectors and then 
if you change too much, how do they respond to that? And But I think as an artist, it's important to follow where you are, like where your interests are, and that will change and evolve as you grow. Yeah, because you have to remember like your relationship with your own work will change as well. It's not just... Right. It's not just you catering for the masses because, I mean, right now at least you were in a looking position where you're at the start of your journey in in so many ways, so that you're you have the freedom to be able to do whatever you want, and you can say, "Oh, I've got these like three series of bodies of work I really want to produce, and it doesn't really matter right now, you know, how good they are because you can work on them. You've got like you know, giving yourself like a year or so to at least work on at right. least one or two of them. I think right. I feel like the ideas for your series are really really lovely. And I think that they're really, really fascinating because it's kind of, it's about yourself, but it's not about yourself. You know, it's like, it's like based on you and your memories and your travels and kind of just like the way, your observations of the world, but they're yeah. about such interesting universal themes that people can really relate to. And there right. could be so many stories told through those images that you didn't even think of. So yeah. I think that's really, I think that I, taking the idea of darkness and light, I'm like, I would, I'm, I'm going to love to see these because I think so many people are going to be able to relate to that. Yeah. And it's nice that you're thinking about it like universally and long term I think that's what's going to make people really attracted to your work I think that's because you know a landscape as much as I love landscapes a landscape can be very limiting because you're painting a certain place you know the people are from this place they you know they might be bored of it or people aren't from that place they might be kind of looking at it with like call this a nice landscape whereas in something that is I think something that I think I don't know maybe I'm just getting a, a bigger appreciation for abstract art at the minute but I feel like with abstract work because you have to use your own intuition to understand what it's about i think it leaves more scope for for the viewer to kind of like really become in tune with that work as opposed to being like oh this is what i presented with this is this right. much what i need to get from it so i like this idea i think it's a really interesting idea great thank you <laughs> yeah i'm i'm really curious but also i love the fact that you're very like i would give myself time to do this it's you're not in a rush to get it done tomorrow obviously you yeah. want to get it done you want to actually get it done but it's like i love the fact you're not putting any pressure on yourself and I think because yeah. I think a lot of artists do they put a lot of pressure on themselves to produce so soon because of the algorithms and all that fun stuff right but I nice... often think about everything for a very long time before I take action so that that's kind of just my way of working but that's good though like that's a good thing because you know as you said like you know you create a series over 10 years and it's like mm-hmm. the fact that you've got the patience to do that that says yeah. a lot about you and the process and the way in which you kind of think about things because I don't know anybody I don't think I've met anybody at least no one said to me that they've created a series over 10 years and, and I actually really respect that I, and when I listened back to it I was editing it I was like this is really interesting because that takes some dedication because yeah. you know it was a lot though because it didn't have the time to do it yeah. and, and so but but yeah it was it was just this thing there I wasn't in a hurry and I felt that it, I, it became more interesting as I added on more layers, mm. textures, and it, yeah. Do you think that social media puts people, or at least artists, like in the mindset to always have to be constantly producing and be in a hurry? I think it can. Um, I don't think it requires, you know, one to feel that way, but I, I, I do, especially when you see your peers or the other artists that you follow always seemingly producing um, or if they produce faster than you but what I like about social media is you can you really can just share what you're working on it doesn't always have 
to be this start to finish, or you can just give a little snippet of something behind the scenes that I think is interesting. And it, it doesn't always have to be this like, you know, from start to finish, here's the finished painting and now we move on. But I do think that social media can be challenging when you're really exposed to so much all the time and it's best not to compare yourself and really just focus on what you're working on. So like, what are your thoughts on social media in terms of like, do you enjoy social media? I do. Um, I think it's interesting how there's all these different platforms and they're always evolving uh, where I used to do Facebook because that was the first thing. Well, after MySpace, right. And then, then it became Instagram and TikTok, And so I know that it needs to evolve always because that's life and the way the industry works. But I do think it's hard to keep up sometimes. And especially as, um, you know, generational, like the, the more you get out of touch with it, the more it moves on, then maybe the less connected you feel to it um, or whatever is the next thing, you, you know, you have to be willing to abandon the old thing and learn the new thing and some people don't um so but but i i do appreciate the community and really the reach that you're able to like just for instance you know having met you and then seeing all the artists that you're connected to and you're exposing me to artists that i may not have ever come across and then i can be inspired by them and you know connect with them too so i i think that for community i really actually appreciate it very much so do you think there's a difference between making art and making content uh kind of yeah um i mean making art can be content but mm. also some people you know make content specifically to make content um, and i struggle because i think everyone like my close friends are like oh i love watching you paint and you know they get that dialogue and i do think that the audience enjoys it and i enjoy i i like watching a time lapse because it it's yeah satisfying to see my work from start to finish and some nothing turns into something but sometimes yeah. I don't necessarily want to film myself I don't feel like having a camera on me while I paint so there there's a certain level of like okay well I haven't done that in a while I need to I should create or you know, film something to let everyone kind of in on what I'm working on and share it. Actually, now you said that, I just thought I haven't asked anybody this as well. But like when you're painting and you're filming yourself paint, are you aware of the camera? No. And that's what's funny. Sometimes I'll start painting and, and I'll, I'll sit with it for 30 minutes or an hour. And then I go to stop it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like the angle was off or I moved <laughs> the table that the camera was on like at the beginning. And so it, you know, I, I, I'm not really aware of it. So I'm kind of curious to, to just to think about artists and wonder if like, if they know they're being filmed because they're filming themselves painting an image, does that change the way they paint the image versus if nobody was there to watch it? Because artists, you know, you're in your own space, you're kind of like in your little private world creating your work and it's like, right. it's a sanctuary. 
yeah you know and yeah. having a camera there and having like even though it's you know nobody's watching it but having that camera there knowing some people watch it like does right. that change the way in which you actually create the work um it it doesn't and for me I ha I do I have to create it the way I'm going to create it and it doesn't matter and I do I feel like I just kind of con contradicted myself because I said sometimes I don't feel like having a camera on me but then I said I don't notice that but yeah. I think when I'm when I'm okay with it, it's like once I put it on, I lock it out. Um, but but yeah, sometimes it it feels personal, and it feels like well maybe you're working on a really hard part, and you know you're going to struggle mm -hmm. with it, or maybe this part you you know won't be that interesting, so you you just decide not to film it. And so yeah, sometimes you just want it to be private, and it's kind of interesting though. It it's not always this planned thing. But that's interesting. It makes me think about artists who are a lot more um, curated with like the aesthetics of like filming themselves, because that can right. be in a way in a whole art form in itself, because, you know, yes. getting certain angles, certain lighting, certain, you know, even like aesthetically pleasing, as you said, like parts of the image painted, like that right. could be almost a market in itself. So it's kind of yeah. weird that you should say that. It's just made me think like, oh, like, I bet people probably do that. I, yeah, I'm more of an amateur about it at the moment. And I do see other people's in their studio and, or maybe they have a photographer come in and film them partially for marketing purposes. Mm. And I think that's okay too. Oh yeah, of course. Absolutely. That's actually yeah. something that I would love to do in the future. My plan yeah. at some point in the future future is to go meet artists and do like small little promos for oh. them. That is kind of my plan in the future. Very um, good. In a, probably about five years time at this point, because I said this like last year and I, this year I'm not doing it. So, uh, yeah. cause I that's need the okay. skills to do that though. That's the thing. It involves me learning, um, yeah. at the time right now. So, but it's cause I thought like, why not, why not just go to London and meet some cool artist friends that I've got that I've made and like record them and do a bit of promo for them. Cause like, I love that kind yeah. of stuff. Like I love trying to help artists kind of even like with marketing and promo and creating reels for them and stuff. Cause sometimes artists don't want to do it or they're not comfortable right. doing it. Yeah. So if everyone was creating a reel, I'd be happy to. Oh, just thank say. you. Okay. Just going to say, I'm always cool. happy to, cause I'm, I'm like, I really enjoy it weirdly because you know obviously all the reels and stuff on the fly people i make so and they're not great but they do the job so if there's anything you want me to yeah. make for you i'd happily do it for you oh that's um, so nice because um yeah I, it yeah. is time consuming that yeah. it's you know it really is and to do it yeah it it does look nice when professionals do yeah. it better than Absolutely. just me piecing things together so talking about like working in a studio and the idea of like sanctuary, like a lot of artists that I've spoken to in the past talk about the idea of loneliness as an artist, because you're working in isolation. Like, how do you kind of combat the idea of loneliness whilst you're working by yourself? It's definitely something that I've struggled and had to get used to, because when I was working full time and doing art on the side, that was my quiet time. And I enjoyed the solitude. And now that it's full time being alone and I, as much as I do prefer I think working alone in general um I do miss the interaction of um people during the day and then also actually bouncing ideas off of people and having dialogue through the process um mm -hmm. but I social media I think helps um you know on lunch breaks I can pop on and have some interaction and feel connected and um and then I do try to go to opening receptions um, 
either whether I'm in them or not, really just to support other artists or see what's going on um, in the art world in LA. And so that helps too. Um, But it's, it's not so bad or some days are harder than others or some weeks, sometimes you have more things going on that are social and some weeks are quieter. So just knowing that the busyness will come or the interaction will come and just setting, sitting with the solitude and being okay with it. Sometimes just waiting for the next round of receptions or I'm, I'm wanting to join a critique group, which I've never done in my professional career. So I think that'll be helpful too, just to be able to have more dialogue with other artists and not necessarily in a reception setting um, where it's more focused on preliminary work absolutely i think that's i actually know you say that i think that's what we kind of need more of is more like artist critique groups that are going to be actually quite helpful for artists so i think Mm -hmm. the problem is that with social media is because it's kind of open to everybody and anybody like sometimes you don't get the kind of feedback you want or you don't get any kind of critique and kind of like what kind of feedback are you looking for on social media and what do you like to get um on social media, I think it's really just about likes, right? I don't think there's a, as much dialogue as I would like, or it's more like, this is amazing, where, I, where, where I'm hoping there's more dialogue when you're in a critique group where just hearing someone's observation or something that you're wondering about, but maybe someone else sees it totally opposite, where it's really enlightening you to different perspectives on your work, which I think is helpful. Um, you know, it circles, circulates more and the, the reach and all the things, but I, I try not to get too hung up on it, but it is good to know when people have good reactions to things that, and it's not even about a good reaction, but any reaction, it's just, it means you've connected with them, that something sparked something in them to to connect with you. So one really curious thing when I was at the other art fair actually is that you popped up into my mind because I met quite a few artists who had just had kids or had young children uh-huh. um, and, we, and we got to talking about like the balance between being an artist and having a family right. um, and it kind of made me think like maybe I should because I know a few other artists that are in that similar boat maybe I should get you all together to talk about that because I yeah, feel like that would be really cool. helpful because yeah. actually I thought about it and I thought that'd be really helpful because you can bounce ideas of each other in terms of like how you structure your day, your routines, right. how you balance things. I might, totally. I might um, get all that together because I know at least a good 10 artists I can think of just at the top of my head, you know, you including that I think, you know, would probably be up for that and would probably appreciate that and probably actually be able to use it constructively. Um, yeah. Because I think that because, you're, you know, you're thinking about critiques and I'm like, well, maybe that's something that I should do or try to kind of arrange because I know a lot of artists who honestly would want that, you know, because obviously right. why wouldn't you want to talk to your work? You know, right. about your work to the artists who have got nothing but your best interests in mind, you know? Right, right. So, and it's nice just to have that camaraderie of yeah. like the struggle oh, together. Um, and what I think is wonderful about social media and Zoom and all these online platforms is uh, the ability to connect with people without having to leave home. Because I yeah. do think there are, are a lot of restrictions, especially, you know, across the pond and traveling, but even just locally, 
um, timing and just to be able to get 10 people together just from across the city to be able to talk for an hour rather than, you know, meeting somewhere and the traffic and all the things. So there, there's yeah. definitely pluses to being able to socialize on social media. Yeah, now I'm thinking about that. I'm going to think about that over the next couple of days. I might put that on social media and see if people are interested. Because I know a few artists who I think would really benefit from it. I think everybody, I think I know, I think every artist would benefit from it. Yeah. But I'm sure I think like I think I, there are people who would actually really appreciate it more than just benefit from it. Because I feel like you need like sometimes you're frustrated and you need to talk to somebody who understands. Particularly right. when it comes down to art and being an artist and the, finding like the need to create. It's like it can be very, it can be challenging. It can be very challenging because it's like you have a desire to create but you can't always do that. And it's like, you kind of need to channel that somehow because it's like, you're going to be sitting with that for days otherwise until you then can create. Right, like, right. I think like that's the thing though. I think you need community. Community is so important. I think we forget how important community is until we realize how much we need it. Yes. You know, and I think, as you, you know, even just the idea of like checking in on people once a week or even if it's like every two weeks, you know, because right, we're all busy. Right. But it's like, that's yeah. so important because it means so much. Like, I love the idea. I think that's such a good idea. I'm definitely going to check that out. I think that's such a good idea. And I love yeah. the idea of, of being, like, pairing people up together. Because there are so many artists that I see personally that I'm like, these two people would so get along from how really? I've spoken to yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, because, and I'm like, these two people, I speak to them, they're very similar, or I just know they'll get, you know, you have an instinct. Like, I just know yeah. they'll get along. So I'm like, yeah. oh, well, I'll have to introduce them. Yeah. Um, so, cool. yeah. So I'm going to, at some point, at some point, I will send you a bunch of artists and I'll just say, and I'll say, say to you, but when I do, I'll be like, I'll oh, just check all these people out. Um, the people I'm probably going to vouch for and be like, I'll oh, respond to you if you if you message them. Um, awesome. So yeah, because I love, yeah. I love connecting people. It's like the best thing I could do. And I love cool. it when I, people I know talk to each other and I'm like, this is yeah. amazing. So what are your thoughts on the future of art and what changes would you like to see in the art world? This one, it was tough. Um, most of the, the things that I knew I wanted to talk about or think about was pretty like direct and I but this one you know being so new to the art world I I feel that I don't necessarily know what the okay. right answer is um yeah so well there is there is no right answer right yeah yeah and I yeah. I, I I think that I'm just so open-minded to what art is and being so new to the art world um that you know I just I do have concerns about the economy. Obviously, I think everyone does a bit. So it's like, well, where do the artists fit in? And I hope that, you know, we can still support ourselves through this by, or or still be able to create just through the downturn. And, um, and I, I think that, I think you are the one that, brought the statistics up about the art world like out of when the economy or when COVID hit and what oh, don't yeah. we need yeah. and artists was like the first the time you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah um so I I would just hope that that's not the case and that that art still prevails what kind of impact actually now you just mentioned COVID and the idea of like the artists kind of being classed as like the the least essential job or whatever but like what kind yeah. of impact do you think COVID has had on the way people see art? Um, I definitely think it can be seen as more of a luxury and a novelty which it it is a bit 
of that. Um, but I but I also still think it's very important and it is healing and it brings communities together. And I think in times like COVID, that that's actually very important. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I share that sentiment completely. And I think it's kind of interesting that during COVID, someone said to me once, like, <laughs> someone said, I don't know if they meant it seriously or not, but they were like, oh, COVID produced a lot of abstract artists. Um, mm. And I kind of feel like it's kind of true because yeah. it was interesting how people went, turned to art in times mm-hmm. of crisis. And I think that's right. kind of interesting. As you said, art can be healing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people use art as a way to kind of... Um, process emotions yeah I think. that's, that's exactly the word process their emotions and kind of like kind of just understand themselves yeah and I think you know the fact that we had the time to sit still for a bit and be able to do that is quite uh quite helpful for the obviously yes as a positive note to what happened right, um, right. so I think that's pretty beautiful but I'm kind of also curious just yeah. like do you think that anyone could be an artist I do um but I I think that you have to be creative about art or passionate about art and creative. I mean, I think anyone can be creative. I I don't think that you have to be so much skilled as as an um as but you do need to want to produce. Um and I think that's what's important. So would you say that being an artist is isolating or liberating or maybe both? Uh, both, for sure. Okay. I think that, I mean, just the work in and of itself is usually not collaborative and that is isolating, but then liberating to just be your own boss in a way and, you know, you choose what you want to produce and um, and then be able to just put it out there and it is a bit of a struggle right to get the space on the wall there is always that um sometimes a barrier to you know be juried into a show or uh get accepted to galleries and such but in general um I think once you are able to share your work that is liberating so I actually had a really interesting conversation with one of my good photography friends. And we were talking about this idea of like artists as introverts and extroverts and like how that kind of plays a role in the way you present yourself and also like how your work is then perceived. And like, would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert or maybe a bit of both, but like, would you say you're either of the two? And also like, how does that affect the way in which you present yourself and your work? Uh, I would consider myself an introvert, um, but maybe less so than others um and I I think it's important and helpful to be an extrovert to be able to share your work comfortably and easily but you know sometimes you can't change necessarily who you are you can only evolve and try to improve on where you want to but um you know I do think a lot of creatives are introverts and because we are quiet and are thoughtful and then producing this art in solitude it just it just seems like they often go hand in hand but I know that's not the rule um, necessarily but I, I do think it's helpful to be more outgoing when it comes time to share your work and want to gain an audience or a following 
So, like, actually, having said that, what kind of a skill would you like to learn that you think will benefit your career? Uh, actually, I've been really wanting to work on public speaking because I I do feel like I want to share my stories more. And while I can in writing, and uh, there's more ability to edit what you're yeah, putting out so. in the world when you write Absolutely. and um, when you're presenting and especially, you know, gallery presentations and such. Um, I just, I would really like to be able to carry the story through eloquently and uh, help it add to the art. Um, but so that that's something that one skill just that's kind of aside from creating that I'd like to work on and improve. But I think that would be super beneficial for you in so many different ways, because mm -hmm. like if you were to ever give like a lecture on your work or if you were just to present even other people's work or even yeah. just your online presence would be improved because you'll be comfortable, you know, if you wanted to, of course, like speaking in front of a camera and kind of being like shifting the focus to yourself if you want to do because obviously I know a lot of artists don't want to be the main focus they want their work to be which I, I understand but I feel like nowadays in social media I think there is a big shift in people wanting to know the artist as well as the work right I think that I think that there's a whole kind of I guess there's almost like a market even for it in terms of like the artist for the right. artist's sake right. as opposed to just being like you know the artist is like creative and there's also like the actual work itself um but I think that's a really good um a really good skill to learn and also I think it's a skill that I think we're all a bit afraid of I think everybody's afraid yeah. of like public speaking and everyone yeah. having to put yourself out there I think we're all a little yeah. bit afraid of that um yeah. certainly the rare few that I find that I've met that are really good at that yeah um, I mean so I've thought about doing in like studio live live studio yeah. on, on yeah. Instagram and and it's it, more of just a check-in but it, it's something that's more natural where or inorganic or oh I'm just working on this today and I like that idea but I'm still too nervous to do no, it um, fair enough but you know See, I think I should just get over it but no but you say but the thing is that like with something like that it's something that you will get used to in time you just have to kind right. of give yourself the um, experience in a way that's comfortable to you to, for you to do because like yeah. it's not I, I don't think it's you you can't just get over it because you won't get over it because it's a big right. thing yeah you know it's not it's like your vulnerability right too. oh 100 it's like going it's like attending an art fair it's like exhibiting your work you yeah. know exhibiting your work is such a vulnerable position to be in because people yeah. are looking at you and your work and they're judging yeah. you and your work in right. real time yeah <laughs> you know? in front and, of you. <laughs> yeah like yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing that's the one thing i learned from going to the art fair is that like exhibiting your work is terrifying because you yeah. want people to talk to you about it but you also don't want nobody to talk to you because you just want to go <laughs> to stand there you know, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of funny because um yeah. I was a really annoying guy who went up to artists that were sitting down and being like, Oh, can you tell about your work? Because they were sitting down, purely just girls sitting down. And yeah. I'm like, I like you're at an art fair, like I would love for you to talk to me about your work because you know you yeah. look like you don't want to talk about it. So let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> which is probably a bad thing on my part, but a lot of people who were sitting down, I was like, let's talk. Um <laughs> so what does it mean to be a successful artist and how do you measure the success of your own work? <sighs> Uh, big question. Um, I think a, su a successful artist is creating um, and they're showing their work in whatever capacity that is. 
And I think that there's success. Yeah, everyone has different levels of su- success or what they consider success. Uh, for me, I would like to be able to uh, be a, an artist only and not have to work a full-time job and share my art on the side. And that, to me, if I could sustain a comfortable lifestyle and create art, that would be a success for me. Um, and then, I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what else success means and with gallery representation or what, I don't think that that's always the end all be all. And um, so where, where do I find my niche of fitting into the art world? And so, um, uh, yeah, it's kind of an open-ended, still learning what that means. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point in terms of like trying to find your place because you're right, like gallery representation isn't always the best route because it could limit you in certain ways. But then also like, what would the alternative be? It's like, you know, right. like, and then if you were going to just sell your prints, if you're going to sell prints and sell your paintings exclusively, like how do you set yourself up to do that with the right recognition and the right kind of uh, um, emphasis on you and your work? And it's like, it, it, it's a very tricky balance to figure out like kind of just whereabouts you should go and where you should lie. Right. That is tricky, actually. That's actually very tricky because it's like you have any, it's, it's hard because you have like any possibility and any opportunity open to you. Yeah. But because you have all these different avenues open, which one do you take? And what's going to yeah. be the best use of your time? Because time is the thing you need the most. Right. So it's now, kind of I, like, I would love to have the support. I would love to just be able to create art and have a place to show it and it sell and have someone or, or a, you know, a, place or a company um stand behind me and you know but but I you know I'm still just taking it day by day and I I do find that you know just one step forward okay this is where I'm at right now always leads me to the next step and I just yeah. kind of have to trust that absolutely but I love the fact you're thinking it ahead that's the thing yeah you're not just going out for art's sake. You're thinking ahead. You're like, okay, cool. So, what can I do with this, or what do I want to become with this, or like, what potentialize in the future, without right. being like, oh, I'm doing this. Because I think you're keeping yourself, you're keeping yourself very grounded, and you're keeping yourself very kind of conscious of what where you want to move towards. But you're just like, I don't know what is I want to move towards, but I want to move towards this direction. And I think right. that's a great that's a great place for you to be. I think that's a great place for you to be. And also, yeah. your work backs it up as well. So you know, you you have kind of like the best of both worlds. <laughs> Yeah. So you have the mindset and you have the work and it's just a case yeah. of like getting it in front of the right people to right. boost yourself forward like like 90 percent right. of artists i think it's like it's about getting your work in front of the right person right. who's going to really appreciate and value that um, right and see the potential in it really yeah i think yeah. and that's what's it's challenging because there's so much out there there's hmm. so many galleries there's so and and really how do you I mean, it's not possible to, to saturate the market. I mean, it is to some people who are on, on like a really large scale of uh, recognition, but it's it's just baby steps, I think. Um, but I, 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 that's my focus right now is just how can I get my art seen? How can more people know about what I'm doing and um, getting attention? Do you ever actually worry about the oversaturation of the art market? I do. 
I do. It can be overwhelming. There's so many talented artists and, um, you know, the people are around me are like, oh, you're so talented. And I'm like, oh, so is everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's definitely hard to um, compete in a way. And it's at a certain point, you just have to not compete and just compete almost with yourself where yeah. okay, where you're just growing from where you were before so how do you like how do you turn off those comparisons you have you know when you see the artists working you're like oh you know when you compare yourself to them like how do you get over that really I try to take inspiration from them rather than um, compare myself to Hmm. maybe what I'm not and really just let them be aspirational to me where there's a few artists that are I follow here in LA um, that I love their work and it's kind of it's right up my alley where in terms of subject matter and perspective uh, not necessarily technique I think their technique is more refined but that's why I love it because it's similar to what I do and it's very underlying um, uh, really the same but when I look at it, it, it's the way they execute it is different or their perspective is different. And I really appreciate it. Um, and I think working in fashion, you're always taking inspiration from others, from mm. what's in store now or where what's on the runways and kind of trickle down. There's always that aspirational aspect. And I think that I appreciate that in the art world maybe more so because of my fashion background um where you know you you could be doing something similar but it's never going to be the same because it's when you execute it that it's always going to be different and because it's coming from you and not them and actually a question I didn't actually add on to this I've just added on to now because I just said that I'm like are there any particular artists you want to mention by name that we should all know about um you know, they're, they're, uh, would it be more <laughs> aspirational artists or would it be just artists just, that I really... Just artists that you think that know. people should know more about, that you think are like hidden gems? Yeah. Um, well, I, I did just see an exhibit. Um, unfortunately, though, she's not on social media, but if you do oh. her tag, um, it's Patricia Childlaw, and she does the LA River paintings as well. And just really beautiful. Um, and like I said, I'm going to talk about the aspirational ones. Yeah, and I hope that absolutely. they appreciate this, but, um, or, or are not bothered that I'm like, they're, they're, they're art fans. <laughs> um, I, I felt I, you know, I went to uh, Patricia's opening reception and I never met her and I wanted to introduce myself and I felt like such a fan girl <laughs> like but, but um but it, it it really is about you know having those aspirational artists to like look up to and um kind of learn just by observing from their work um but Eric Nash I really really enjoy his artwork um it's very simple but it's like always um kind of this urban take on landscapes that I like. Um, John Tierney, he, I believe, is a UK artist, but his work is all LA-centric. Um, and it's he does a lot of like the fashion um, 
uh, iconic fashion brands and like billboards on Melrose and things and or just iconic LA things in general but his are very um uh realistic and but I, I really enjoy that and then I you know I also have my art friends that I always really appreciate there's um my an artist called the quiet he creates these artworks that are really just um, these provocative sculptures made out of thrift store um, findings, found objects. And they're always nods to some political view or um, overarching systematic issue um, that I appreciate too. So That's so cool because I never really asked artists who they'd like because everybody has such different tastes. Yeah. And like the kind of artists that you'd know, like whether that's in person or via online, like are going to be people I have never heard of. And I love that right. possibility of yeah. like discovering new people and being like, this is really interesting. Yeah. Um, which is why I asked that question. Cause I thought, oh, you're talking about like inspiration. I thought, oh, actually, let's just ask yeah. who they are. Because I'm yeah. always curious to know, you know, what great artists, you know, it's like I love hearing great artists talk about other great artists. And I think that's really, right. really cool because yeah. it's like part of the, you know, it's part of your community. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's Thanks. I could go on and on and on. There's so many artists, but well, if you want to send me some, please yeah. do. Okay, sure. I yeah, will. absolutely. And I will do exactly the same. I've got a list of people I'm going to send you. Um, because I love just I just love sharing artists and artists and, and connecting people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've I have a question for you from the last artist I interviewed, which was okay. um an incredible artist called Patsy MacArthur, who was just absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. She was lovely. Um, and her question for you is. How do you work through creative blocks? That's interesting because that was very, very much the realm of my question <laughs> for the next artist, um, which uh, so it, it's definitely tricky sometimes to work through creative blocks. Um, but I think to take the pressure off yourself and not necessarily... <clears throat> try to fight through it but just to maybe step away and um take a step back i think exercise is actually really important for balance and clarity so whether it's yoga or nature taking a walk outside i think mm -hmm. sometimes you do need to get out of the studio and if you feel stuck you're probably not going to find the the way out in your studio i think you have to leave and you know do something that is um either inspiring to you or um just kind of replenishing because i think a lot of creative blocks come from just energy blocks in general that are you know whether you're tired or there there's something else that you need to replenish to keep the creativity flowing that's perfect and do you have a question for the next artist interview well, that's what I was, you know, I was, um, I was going to ask, you know, when you get in a rut, how do you um, overcome it? But, uh, but I did have a secondary question. So, um, so as an artist, usually you have, you know, your identity as an artist and what you put out there and your body of work. But when you want to diverge from that and try something new how do you handle um that process and 
how do you consider your audience when doing so? Oh, that's a very good question, actually. Mm -hmm. I had in the process of trying something new. And I apologize, I should have sent that to you earlier. And no, I, that's fine. No, no, that's I, fine. No, no, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> so what would your younger self think about your work? I think I would be surprised. Um, I'm actually a very feminine person in some ways. And I think that my work doesn't always, or at least the subject matter doesn't always allude to that. Um, so, and as much as, and, and I may paint flowers one day, <laughs> um, you know, um, but, and that's actually what I'm drawn to also. Um, but I, I think I'm, I would be surprised that um, the industrial landscapes and just kind of the harshness or the, um, uh, what's the right way to say it? Just the way that the art presents itself. I think I I would be surprised. Yeah, because it's very gritty. Like the subject matter, yeah. like very gritty, and it's very um kind of close to the ground. If that makes sense, yeah. as opposed to being yeah. like very kind of like ethereal and kind of like really beautiful and in some levels quite superficial. Like your work is about the reality of life. It's not about yeah. superficiality necessarily. Um, yeah. like and it's interesting because there's like hints of nature and romanticism. So there is like. Yeah potential feminine elements to it but it's also presented right. in a very kind of just straightforward no nonsense realistic way and actually that's yeah. kind of that's a really interesting kind of way of thinking in terms of like how the artist is filtered through their own work because obviously you're painting from your perspective right. so part of you is in every piece you make it's kind of interesting yeah. to decipher like where that is yeah and I, you know, I do think some of my work is ethereal. I think the skies and the sunsets help make it ethereal. But when you really look at it, the the overall piece isn't intended to be ethereal. There's supposed to be that grittiness um, that lies within too. So if nobody saw your work, would you still create it? I would. Um, I don't think I would be as... Uh, as the way that I plan what I'm presenting, I think I would just paint what I wanted in the moment where now that I'm actually having to present my work cohesively, there is sort of this element of uh, planning and sticking to what was planned rather than just wanting to paint what I want to paint in the moment. And I think that's, it would change in a way because every moment might, I might want to paint something else. And you know, when you're working on a body of work, you, you really have to complete the the series in its entirety. Oh, I was going to ask you earlier, like, so when you create your series of work, do you create them side by side or do you finish one and create another? Uh, both. Um, usually I almost finish one or and then I'll move on and I, I have to let some of it dry and go back and kind of perfect later. Uh, when I was working on the factory series, over that 10 period, 10 year period of time, I was often trying to work on them simultaneously, which I liked that it brought a sort of cohesiveness to it, yeah. where they all had uh, similar layers of texture. And even though they were different um, subjects, matters in each. Um, so I do like the idea of painting multiple paintings at once. 
uh, but it also requires space to be able to kind of, of spread course. out and do that. Yeah. So <laughs> right course. now I'm very systematic about, you know, I'm working on this one now and I'll get everything done except this area and I'll put it away, let it dry, move on and come back to it. So there's kind of a method to the madness right now, but I would, I would love if I could just work on everything kind of at once. You need a huge studio space. That's why I think every artist right? needs just like some big space just so they can kind of yeah. create. I just have that like totally. freedom to create. Like that's the thing. But the, yeah. but the beauty in what you do though, like so many artists is that you work with what you've got. Right. You know, like it may not be absolutely perfect. It may not be the best, but it, it does the job it needs to do for what the work you create now. In the future, yep. you might go bigger. In the future, you might yeah. go smaller and your needs will yeah. change for space. But I think what I really appreciate and respect from you and every other artist that I know is that like you use what you have. It doesn't yeah. hinder you. You don't use this excuse not to create. Right, right. And you can't yeah. love it totally. Mm. So would you consider yourself a contemporary artist? I would. How do you define the term contemporary art? Well, I, I actually I, I actually meant to look up the true definition of it before um, and I forgot. Um, but I, I mean, contemporary, right, is new, modern, yeah. um, just kind of non-traditional. Um, and so I think that after that, it's I, I think a lot of probably gallery owners and museum curators and curators or could definitely have a better answer for you um and oh. perspective but to me I, i'm i'm kind of you know it, it's in the eye of the beholder of what one might consider contemporary art uh, but i think any art is new and contemporary right that you're creating that's new yeah the only reason i ask is because i feel like contemporary is a word that we kind of throw around a lot um, but I think yeah. we don't really question what it actually means. If it means right. anything at all, it might never mean anything at all, to be honest. You know, yeah. I think we use it so much nowadays that the actual use of it, of the terminology, it doesn't really mean anything necessarily. It just means art made now, which, yeah, that's a right. very broad word just for, for that yeah. particular scope. But I don't know. I'm always interested as well, because if you call yourself a contemporary artist, it's like, well, what I like, how are you, you know, like putting a label on yourself and what label are you putting on yourself by doing that, by right. using this term? Right. Um, right but then obviously who wouldn't call themselves contemporary artists nowadays um, yeah I mean some artists are more traditional or they're you know painting portraits of homes and that I wouldn't necessarily consider contemporary depends on uh, what they're doing it I can think of contemporary artists who paint pictures of like yeah of like places yeah absolutely absolutely well, I guess yeah no I definitely there's um some wonderful artists that paint pictures of homes that are is very contemporary but I also see you know like the like let me paint or will you paint a picture of my house so I can have it as like a memory or memento I see I see what you mean yeah friend, as opposed to being like a commodity to sell yeah yeah ah that's a good decision, that's something to think about I'm not sure yeah. no that no that's actually a really good point actually that's something that I'm going to think about for future interviews in terms of the idea of commodity of art like at what point do you square square that away with yourself and make you know kind of even selling a piece of work okay because it's like you know it can be very precious to an artist but then at the same right. time you want to make money from it it's like right. it's a weird middle ground of like you know being personal and being sellable it's like you have yeah. to listen that's both 
but that's a conversation for another day for sure. Well, I didn't realize how attached I would become to some of my paintings. That's interesting. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. And you know, you don't think about it. You're putting it up on the wall and you're like, I want this to sell. And then when someone's interested and you're buying it, oh gosh, I'm going to have to say goodbye. And I might not ever see this painting in person again. Because that's the exact thing. Like, unlike photographs, you're not going to print that again. You can't make it again. It's one of a kind. You'll never get that back again. Unless somebody sends it back to you for some reason. But like, you'll never see it again. Collectors know, like, really. And they're like, you know, if you ever want to come visit the painting, that's sweet. You know, if you want to have it for another show or a collection show. That's nice, though. I think that's really good when people do that because it's it's not just then kind of like gone forever. And you can always have it back, particularly for showing. Imagine if you had a retrospective, you'd kind of want all the work right. created back if it's totally. still available. Yeah. And so. oh, actually, just before, so before the final question, a random question yeah. for you that you just, that I've just thought about. I keep doing this today, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> but if somebody brought a piece of your work and they destroyed it, would you be happy with that? No. <laughs> but then no. pay for it. I don't care. <laughs> I, you know, a gentleman, he did buy, like, a, he was buying a print of mine and, um, he was starting to fold it and I'm like don't fold it you know it was it was it felt like it was as like precious to him and I was really like I think I I asked I stopped him from it and um so I, I I'm definitely you know I I don't care if they bought it or not I'd rather have it back and I know accidents happen but yeah, yeah. I mean I mean like with intent yeah Oh, with intent. Yeah, like, not. yeah. Because I'm like, why would you? Why would you fold a print that you just brought? Like, isn't the whole point? Isn't the whole point of buying that print to have it hanging on your wall? I think you know. I think he supports a lot of artists. He he had been saying, "Oh, I have stacks and stacks of prints," and it, it was just more to um, so, you know, give. <laughs> give support it was less for the intent of putting it on a wall but at that point I was like oh well I would rather have someone actually that it means more to them buy it I would wait but yeah isn't that quite isn't that quite damaging in a way though because you're just buying art for the sake of buying art you're not buying art because you care about it I feel like isn't that I don't know that that's kind of as somebody who's brought a lot of art prints in the last year yeah. I often kind of feel like, am I just buying these art prints because I know these artists and I like them? And it, or do I like, yeah, actually yeah. like the work? And I like the work, obviously, I've got it hanging up. Yeah. I've got a few that I haven't actually hung up yet, which I need to do. But um, yeah. it's a case of like, I would hate to be that kind of person who just buys stacks of art just to say, oh, I support this person. Like, there are other ways of supporting that person. You right. know, you could just, right. if you're really that bothered, you could donate money to them. I'm pretty sure they'll be happy with that and they could do with right. a lot, lot enough with that. Like, right. somebody else really could have wanted that print and they might yeah. get the opportunity to hang it up on their wall. I don't know, yeah. that doesn't sit like that doesn't sit right with me personally. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't like that. No, I know. That's right with me. But it, you know, I, there wasn't ill intent really. It was yeah. just kind it's of just I think it's, for, for me, it's just like the you didn't even think about it. Like the blase right. of just kind of like, exactly. oh, it's fine, I'll just fold this in front of the artist. At least do <laughs> it the at least do it when the artist has left, they don't know. Right. I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's insane but, so yeah i was bothered then you know oh, i would be bothered yeah. if someone destroyed my a, a painting would be a, you know a print yes i i haven't really done like the whole limited edition so much i i have here and there but um that wasn't one of them so it, it wasn't as serious but had it been an, a real piece of work i actually um 
this is a little personal and kind of funny though, that when I was in high school, I was in a serious relationship and I had painted my boyfriend a painting and it was of like his musical artist that he liked and, you know, nothing that I would ever expect him to have on his wall or in his home anymore. And, you know, we have obviously since parted ways and but I yeah. we keep in touch here and there and he he mentioned that he still has the painting oh, and that wow. it was like a really special gift that he like will always keep and I was like wow I, I I honestly had thought about the painting here and there like through the years and wondered if it was in some thrift store or, or yeah. made it to a garbage can eventually and I was surprised to hear that he still had it and it, it made me feel like it was nice because you know it did take time and it was yeah. something that I did specifically for him and I, it meant a lot that he still had it that's really amazing I say that's amazing because yeah. it just shows that somebody appreciates the time and effort you put into something right right yeah that's so cool I think that's amazing that's and you know big props to him for like you know not throwing it out because you know, know. some people would have like burnt it at an altar or something you know something <laughs> right like, some people are strange some people would do yeah. stuff like that yeah so, Bad play. Yeah. So my last question for you, I'm sure you'll be very happy to know. Uh, yeah. My last question is what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? Well, this is really exciting for me to talk about because I'm working on my first solo show um, in a gallery. Um, it's at Tag Gallery, which is an acronym for the Artist Gallery, um, which is on Wilshire Boulevard near La Brea, which are kind of two major intersection roads um, in Los Angeles near where I live, which is nice. And it's really a wonderful community of artists. It's a beautiful space. Um, it is a large space. So there's like five galleries within the one under one roof. So wow. it's kind of, you know, I say a solo show and I will be showing my work alongside three other solo show artists. Um uh, Bob Spees, Darnell Wayne, and Adele Mills are my um, solo show counterparts. So these are actually, I think, um, yeah, no, they've all, I think I might be the only one that it's my first solo show ever. Um, but I'm excited for that. So I am creating a new body of work. Um, and I've, it's called Lost Angles. So it's a nod to the lost views and angles of Los Angeles. Um, so really just drawing attention to the everyday sites or what we might not notice. Um, and and it, it's, it's a continuation of the work that I've um, worked on in the last year or two with the focus, the subject matter. But there are some new pieces and subject matters that will be in addition to what other people have known what people kind of associate me with from what they've seen before um so I'm I'm really excited that's May 6th is the opening reception wow. so I'm that's the main priority right now um and then I will also be working on a couple new series to show um in May as well um and um you can find my work at emilywallerstein.com um my website has 
what I've worked on in the past, I, I do still need to update some more. And then at Tag Gallery, um, taggallery.com or .net, I'm not, I mean, um, but that, my work is also on Tag Gallery's website too, along with all the other artists that are members of Tag. That's absolutely incredible. That's absolutely incredible. That's going to yeah. be so good for you. I'm very excited. Um, I, it's definitely something that I wanted to do for a long time. They hold this group exhibition, a juried group show called the California Open. Um, and I was in the show in 2020. And after that, it was kind of always this aspirational, like I would like to show, have a show at Tag Gallery in the future. So it's exciting that it's coming to fruition finally. It's so it's such a good idea but at this point in your career as well. Like it's such a good idea, and I'm really really happy yeah. for you. I'm curious to see what it's going to be like. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's cool. But thank you very much for your time, Emily. I really oh, appreciate thank it. Thank so you, Aaron. Yeah, it was really nice speaking with you, and it really it, to be able to sit down and talk about everything. It helps put things in perspective from my point of view. But I appreciate the dialogue and being able to hear your point of view on things too. That concludes the last and final part of my conversation with Emily Waterstein. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or get in touch by social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube and Apple Music. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of those platforms to help spread the word. Also, don't forget to check out theflyingfreeball.co.uk for daily art inspiration. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. We now also have a Patreon page if you'd like to support the platform further. Today's start from £1, and more information can be found over at patreon.com forward slash theflyingfreeball. Additionally, if monthly donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal for one-time donations. I'll include a link to our PayPal in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening today. Until next time, folks, please stay safe.